0: Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another podcast in the Pastor study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life from a retired pastor of 45 years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It is my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over my years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further personal Bible study They'll be short, 15 to 20 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email, masitofhm at gmail.com, that's m-a-s-i-t-t-o-f-h-m for fellowhoppers ministries at gmail.com. The title of our Bible study today is, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, from 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. Have you ever been faced with a difficult situation and you just don't know what to do? The distress or extreme anxiety of not knowing can be just crushing. Our verse today gives an example of what to do in times like these. Let's read 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12, a good verse to memorize, have a word of prayer, and see what our passage teaches us. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us neither know we what to do but our eyes are upon thee neither know we what to do but our eyes are upon thee shall we pray father you know oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we are perplexed we just don't know what to do and lord we just pray that the example of jehoshaphat and judah here would be a good example for us today to see how we can get through those times. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice in our verse that there is a great multitude against these people, and you'll notice that they don't have the strength to be able to defend themselves. It says in verse 12, Our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. And as a result neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Now, to understand this verse, we're going to have to understand pretty much two chapters, chapter 19 and chapter 20. And obviously, in 15 or 20 minutes, we're not going to be able to go into great detail in these chapters, but I can give you a good summary. And if you take time later to read them, I think you'll see what we're going to bring out today unfold very clearly. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. You can see that back in chapter 19 and verse 1. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. Now, when Jehoshaphat was confronted in verse 2, and he realized that the nation wasn't really right before God in verse 3, he went ahead in verse 4 and restored order in worship. If you have a study Bible, you might see that title right above verse 4. Jehoshaphat restores order in worship and he did a good job at that you'll notice in verse 4 it says he brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers and then in verse 5 he set up judges and these judges had instructions for example in verse 6 for ye judge not for man but for the Lord and the end of verse 7 nor respect of persons in fact he goes even further in verse 10 and says towards the end of that verse Ye shall even warn them. And then in verse 11, it says at the end of the verse, deal courageously and the Lord shall be with the good. Now, I said all that to say this, there were happy times taking place in Judah through verses four and through 11. The people were getting themselves rearranged in their worship and they were starting to turn their hearts back toward the Lord. But then when we come to chapter 20, we find a difficulty. And the difficulty is Judah, as well as Jehoshaphat, go through a very distressing time as the enemy mounts up against them, and it looks like they're going to be overrun and perish. Now, with this in mind, I want us to think about the subject matter that we're looking at in this chapter. And I want you to consider the fact that we're finding Jehoshaphat And we're finding Judah in great distress here. Now, the idea of the word distress means extreme anxiety, sorrow, and pain. And here we find Judah kind of turning herself around there in chapter 19 and verses 4 through 11. And now they face this very difficult situation with this uh, multitude of enemy that are ready to overrun them. And they have no defense against them. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation or not, but I think Matthew Henry summarizes it well, and then you can just make application to yourselves. Matthew Henry in his commentary says this, when you come to the end of your rope and you have no cause for hope, look to God. And I would dare say those of you listening today have been at the place where you have come at times to the end of your rope and you have had no cause for hope. There was nothing you could do, but you looked to God, and God saw you through it. That's what he does here in this chapter with Jehoshaphat and Judah, and that's what he does for us today by way of application. So we're going to outline this chapter, and we're going to highlight it as we study it together, and we're going to look at five points that I think are very important to help us when we don't know what to do, but we keep our eyes on him the first thing is this distress often comes while experiencing spiritual blessing look at chapter 20 of second chronicles and verse 1 it came to pass after this also now what does that mean in my bible i underlined the words after this also and i put an arrow pointing up to chapter 19 After these folks were challenged in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 19 and began to get things back in order in verses 4 through 11 of chapter 19, things were turning around looking good for Judah. Now, in this time of spiritual blessing, when they were getting back with the Lord the way they should be, bam, they have this distressful situation or experience face them. Distress often comes while experiencing spiritual blessing. I'm sure you've seen that in your own life. Sometimes you can be as happy as can be one day and then a distressful situation confronts you and you don't know what to do and that happiness just seems to just willow away. Well, the second thing I want you to note is this. The stress often comes without a cause or reason. And that's given to us in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles verse 2. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. Now, as I've read this, I, I haven't seen that Jehoshaphat did anything wrong. I don't see that Jehoshaphat stirred up uh, Moab and Ammon to come against him in battle. I, I don't see him doing anything at the Ammonites that would cause them to come after him. And here Jehoshaphat's trying to do the right thing, trying to lead Judah to do the right thing. They're getting themselves back on track, and bam, here comes distress, and it comes without cause or reason. Once again, Matthew Henry mentions this, and it's so practical. I put it in my Bible a number of years ago. He says this, if we meet with trouble in the way of duty, we may believe it is that God may have an opportunity of showing us so much the more of his marvelous, loving kindness. Well, certainly Jehoshaphat and Judah are in the way of duty. And certainly uh, they have an opportunity here for God to show himself because they can't take care of this problem on their own. And God does show himself to them. So distress often comes while experiencing spiritual blessing. And distress often comes with note without cause or reason. The third thing I want us to see is this. Distress should be met with a desire to gain God's favor. Distress should be met with a desire to gain God's favor. Listen to verses 3 and 4 and watch the preparation of the king or the preacher and watch the preparation of the people, that is Judah. First of all, the king or the preacher Verse three, and Jehoshaphat feared, number one, and set himself to seek the Lord, number two, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He didn't complain against God. He didn't say, this is unfair, this is unjust, but he realized we have a situation here, and it's important for me to do what? To gain God's favor. So he does three things. He feared, He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast. Now the people prepared also, look at verse four, and Judah gathered themselves together. You have Jehoshaphat in verse three, now Judah in verse four, to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So you have Jehoshaphat seeking the Lord in verse 3, you got Judah seeking the Lord in verse 4. Not complaining, not saying this is unjust and unfair, not saying, why are you doing this and just going around in a circle, but rather they said, you know what, we've got this distress where the Moab and and Ammon, uh, they're coming after us, we're outnumbered, and so we're going to prepare our heart by seeking the Lord. That's important for us to remember, when you're facing a distress that is an extreme situation of anxiety, or when you're facing distress, that's the idea of sorrow or pain, it's not a time to be complaining to God. It's a time to be seeking God and watch His hand deliver you. Now, the fourth thing we notice in our passage is this distress should be met with a great respect for God. This kind of ties in with our first point. They prepared by seeking Him but now they display their respect for him. And this begins in verse five. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So here he is in the house of the Lord showing respect unto God. Verse six, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen and in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. You see this great respect they're showing for God? Notice verse 7. Art thou not our God, who did drive, who drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And then you'll notice also in verse 8, where it says, And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, and here's our final verse in this section of showing great respect for God, and that's verse 9, if when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and Help! I just love this. I hope you take time to read through the chapter later and, and really digest what's being written here for us and recorded for us. Because here they are, they didn't do anything wrong. They're experiencing spiritual blessing. And all of a sudden the enemy come up against them without a cause or reason. And they find themselves in a situation where they say, let's seek the Lord. And as they seek the Lord, they recognize, wait a minute, we have a great respect for God. And the phrases they use in these verses are just incredible. They're in the house of God. They say, art not thou God in heaven that rulest over all the kingdoms of the heathen? In verse 7, art thou not God who does drive out the inhabitants? And then in verse 9, you know, when evil cometh, art thou not ready to hear and help us. That is fantastic. And as a result, we recognize that the Lord responds and does deliver Jerusalem and Jerusalem from a very difficult point of distress. They were in extreme anxiety. They were ready to suffer sorrow and pain, but they sought the Lord, and they gave great respect for the Lord, and he delivered them. Now, how did he do that? Well, let's take a look at the fifth point. The fifth point in our passage today, distress should be met with a complete dependency upon God. Distress should be met with a complete dependency upon God. Look what happens in verse 10. And now behold, because of the things they've acknowledged, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, Whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from thee and destroyed them not. Behold, verse 11, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. And then our key verse, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Verse 13, and all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. The stress should be met with a complete dependence on God. You know, when we think about this by way of application, we face situations in our life that we cannot handle ourselves. We face situations in our life that we simply don't know what to do. And we face situations in our life that may distract us from looking to Jesus, but the answer in these situations is for us to do the opposite. They actually look to Jesus. When you think about this by way of New Testament application, you can remember Peter walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14 in verse 22 to 33. Remember, as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on the water, and when he saw the winds boisterous and took his eyes off Jesus, he sank. But when he cried out, God raised him up. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says clearly, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There are examples, even in the New Testament, like we see here, the example with Jehoshaphat and Judah, where they did what? Where they kept their eyes upon thee, and in doing so, God gave the victory. It's interesting when you take a look at the rest of the chapter, beginning at verse 14 and going down to verse 19, there's actually instruction given then to Jehoshaphat and Judah, and actually the instruction is to just um, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. You'll have to read through that another time, but if you take a look, it says in verse 15, halfway through the verse of chapter 20, 2 Chronicles, "...be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude." For the battle is not yours, but God's. And they were looking to God to deliver them. Notice verse 17. And you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand ye still, see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And certainly they went out and the battle was given. Just an amazing passage of scripture, giving us the answer as to what to do when we don't know what to do. What are those points again? Number one, distress often comes while experiencing spiritual blessing. Distress often comes without cause or reason. Distress should not be met with the desire, should be met with the desire to gain God's favor. Distress should be met with a great respect for God. And distress should be met with a complete dependence on God. You know, I have the military background, and I, I want to close with the military illustration because it fits this passage so beautifully. We were on a ranger mission, five of us, a bus, and we were out in an area doing reconnaissance work, and we were kind of in a low part of the land, and there was a hill that went up from us. Uh, you went across the creek, and then there was a hill that went up, and the enemy was up the hill, and they had spotted us, and there were only five of us there. And I remember I was at the creek and I was in some rocks and we saw what was happening and we called out on the radio. And before we knew it, two jets appeared out of nowhere. And these jets appeared out of nowhere. And uh, I was on one side of the creek. The rest of the team was on this side of the creek. and, uh, And they called for a jet strike to help overcome the enemy before they came down to us. And, uh, and as a result, I said, wait a minute, tell them to wait. I'm on the wrong side of the creek here. And I was amongst some rocks. <clears throat> and the jet pilot slowed this plane and, and came down. And he looked at me and he gave me a thumbs up. And he called to our radio man and said, tell your sergeant to sit tight and enjoy the show. And I sat among those rocks and I saw those two jets take care of the enemy, which clearly outnumbered us. There was no way five of us could defend ourselves in that situation. But these two jets came out of nowhere, gave us a thumbs up, and took care of the problem. You know, neither know we what to do. We have no might against this great company, but our eyes are upon thee. And I think the answer to that is, sometimes God just wants us to sit back and watch the show as he takes care of our enemy, that we can't take care of ourselves. That is how we handle problems when we don't know what to do. I hope you get time to read chapter 19 and 20 of 2 Chronicles, and I hope it's a blessing to you as we've given you some seed for thought today. What to do when you don't know what to do? This has been from the pastor's study with Pastor Martin Macedo, you may email me at masitto, M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M, for fellow helpers Ministries at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post another Bible study next week. And remember, as Matthew Henry wrote, When you come to the end of your rope, and you have no cause for hope, look to God. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.